Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. We now bring in from on3.com and Blue White Illustrated, Greg Pickle. Sir, welcome. Great to have you with us. Hey, Steve. Good to be back with you as always and looking forward to chatting with you here for a few minutes as the Penn State season rolls on. Absolutely. I want to ask you first, the, the transition to on three, we've talked to both uh, Ryan and to Nate. It sounds like it's gone as well as you, it could possibly ask for. Yeah, it certainly has, Steve. I appreciate you asking. No, things are good at Blue White Illustrated and at on three. We're excited about the move over there and excited about a lot of the things we'll be able to provide readers and Penn State fans and college football fans. And, you know, if you're looking for recruiting rankings, if you're looking for team rankings, if you're looking for just about anything in between, uh, we have some exciting things cooking over there at BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. And we're really, uh, like I said, excited about the future. And, yeah, so far so good on the move. And uh certainly doesn't hurt to do that as Penn State gets back in the wind column on Saturday at Maryland. So let's get into the wind column on Saturday at Maryland and what happened. What were some things – now, obviously, Dotson stuck out. I mean, that, that's an obvious. But what were a couple of other elements that, that stuck out to you? Yeah, you know, of course, Jahan Dotson had just a tremendous game. I mean, it, it, when you watch him run, it's just amazing how well he can separate and how quickly he does it. So that really stood out to me. But, of course, you're right, that's the obvious one. You know, some other things, I thought Brandon Smith had a really good game. And he continues to just look like the uh, prototypical linebacker that I think we all knew he could be, thought he would be, figured he would grow into. So that's something that I've kept an eye on here as the season's progressed. I really do think he's developed a lot over the last handful of years. And I think that, or last handful of years, last handful of games rather, and I think that he's a guy who is just going to continue to really pop up on NFL draft radars, on national analyst radars. I mean, he is just tremendous. Um, And he keeps showing it game in and game out. So that stood out. And then just overall, you know, I know the run game only finished with, uh, I think, before if you include the sack losses, it was a little less than 100 yards of, of rushing offense. And, you know, obviously Penn State fans want to see more out of that part of the game. But I thought there were some encouraging signs. I'm curious to see if they lean on Kevon Lee a little bit more now moving forward. But, you know, they just needed a win. Uh, that was really kind of my thought process going into this game. They need a win. It doesn't necessarily matter how they get it or – uh, you know, what goes into getting it. They just needed one. They got one. And that sets them up in a place now to continue in November, uh, you know, on a trajectory that's probably going to be better than what they had in October. And, of course, that would start with Michigan this weekend. So let's get to the red zone defense. They have now in a spot where I think they are at 12 field goals, 10 touchdowns, five takeaways. I mean, I mean think about that. I mean, when you see a team with five takeaways on defense, what are we seeing? Uh, Well, it's just the red zone defense they have. It's it's just, I mean, teams, I don't know what it is when teams get inside 20 against Penn State, but they certainly don't function very well. I mean, they certainly don't, uh, you know, really do a great job of, of beating Penn State's defense. Some of that has been forced turnovers, and I'll use the word unforced turnovers, thinking back to Graham Mertz and just dropping the ball or the snap that went off of uh, Tagovailoa's head there in Maryland. You know, some of those things, you don't necessarily create the turnover, but you better fall on it. Penn State's been very good about doing that. So that certainly plays a role in it. But, 
you know, it's a group that, you know, we always hear Brent Fry talk about bend but don't break and do everything you can to keep them out of the end zone. And this group does. I mean, whether it's the secondary uh, making big plays and big moments, whether it's the linemen getting a good pass rush and forcing a, a play that maybe needed a couple more seconds to develop, uh, not letting it do that. They do all those things, Steve, and they do them well. And that's why this is one of the better red zone defenses in the country. I mean, I think we can all agree that you need the other team to help you in some ways if you're going to have one of the better inside your own 20 units uh, in college football. But Penn State creates a lot of their own luck, too, and I don't think that uh, should go unnoticed when you're having this conversation because they create it with pass rush, they create it with sound fundamental play, and they create it with a really good play in the defensive backfield. And I think one of the guys overlooked in the red zone defense, but probably a defense overall, is Daquan Hardy, who's been really, really good for most of this season as the starting slot guy, as the extra guy in sub packages. He, uh, he's targeted a lot, and for whatever reason, defenses and, and offensive, or I'm sorry, offenses and offensive coordinators have for some reason uh, not learned yet that throwing his way probably isn't going to end well, and, and he continues to make play after play, game after game. Greg, I thought one of the key plays in the game was actually early in the game when you mentioned Daquan Hardy. Penn State goes blitz. They go cover zero. And Brian Cobbs, Duffy's son, is in the center of the field. And Hardy batted that ball away. I thought early on, I thought that was a tone-setting play considering the circumstances. It certainly was. And, again, I think that's the great part about Daquan Hardy is that he makes all sorts of plays, right? I mean, he obviously uh, is usually downfielding coverage, and he's usually just kind of like glue against an opposing uh, receiver. But he also can bat the ball down. I think for the most part we've seen Joey Porter Jr. be the guy that bats balls away, three casual fields every now and then. But that play, you're right, that Daquan Hardy made did really set the tone especially for a Penn State defense that obviously has been asked to carry plenty of the load so far this season, and it's done a pretty good job of doing it, but at the same time, um, you know, I think it's fair to say that uh, even they need a little bit of a spark here and there. Uh, Of course, every unit does, and Hardy provided that, and it's one of the reasons they were able to get out of there with a victory. Okay, let's get to Michigan now. Uh, It's a team that has lost one time, as as we all know. They've lost one time this year. Um, how do you view Michigan to this point, especially the style of play? Yeah, you know, the biggest question I have about them at this point, Steve, is where are they at on the injury front? You know, the running yes. one of their running backs was injured at Indiana. Cade McNamara missed at least one series. I mean, they have some questions there uh, that I think they're going to have to be answered over the course of this week that will impact how this one ultimately plays out. You know, um, Hassan Haskins played pretty well in the in, uh, Blanking on his name at this point, I think it's Coburn or Cobram, something along those lines. Anyway, Blake, Blake, uh, Blake Corum, Blake Corum. Yes, Corum. Yes, eh, I was in the ballpark. But you know, I thought Haskins played pretty well when when he was out. But you know, that offense. There's a reason they use both of those guys, and it's because you know I think Penn State fans probably heard it on College Game Day a couple weeks ago uh, if they were watching it before the Penn State Ohio State game. But they see themselves as thunder and lightning, and they complement each each other very well. And so, if you take one of those guys out of the equation. I'm not sure that offense functions as well as it has at different times throughout this season. So that's something to watch. But, you know, I think back to Michigan, Michigan State, which, of course, was also before Penn State, Ohio State, and I watched a little bit of Indiana, Michigan. I mean, 
the key to me is going to be two things. One, defensively keeping your pass rush out of the backfield and giving Sean Clifford enough time to throw. And then on the other side of the ball, um, you have to be ready for, again, if they do have both those running backs available, they're going to try and run the ball on you. And it wouldn't surprise me if they utilize some of what Illinois did to run against Penn State and see where it gets them. So uh, they're a good team. There's no question. Um, are they a team – the Penn State can't beat at home? Absolutely not. And so uh, I think that the spread's about right. It feels like a pick 'em kind of game. And the home team has generally dominated this series over the last few years. And that has to, I think, mean something for Penn State. But overall, I look at Michigan, good team, uh, probably deserving where it's at at this point, but by no means unbeatable on Saturday. What about the physicality in a game like this? Uh, yeah, I think we've seen that almost uh, for the entirety of both the James Franklin era at Penn State, uh, the Jim Harbaugh era at Michigan, and of course years before that. I mean, there is uh, there's a lot of ice needed after these two teams meet. There's no question about that. It's kind of the staple of the Big Ten East, really, at this point, whether you're playing Michigan State, Ohio State, or Michigan, and of course some of the other teams as well. But I think those three in particular, I mean, you're going to be hurting. You're going to have bruises. You're going to, uh, you know, be involved in a lot of big play and big moments, and some of those are going to come crunching hits, either you deliver them or they're delivering them to you. So, yeah, I think that's been the case really uh, for the both of these head coaches' tenure, but of course even before that, you know, these teams want to line up, they want to hit you in the mouth, and they want you to know that, that they think they control the game, and I think that's where Penn State uh, or Michigan uh, can get an edge in this one, is which one establishes the tone first, which one has that Daquan Hardy-like play first, and which one can kind of set the tone that they feel like they're in control. They feel like the physicality is maybe up a notch on their side of things. And if it's Penn State, you know, that's one of the reasons they've had such success at Beaver Stadium, I think, against Michigan is because they have often been able to set the tone at home and then let their play and the crowd take over from there. So that's what I'll be watching for on Saturday. All right. Finally, on this one, when you look at these two teams and the ability to I feel like playing with the lead is really important one way or the other because, to me, Penn State's playing with the lead. That forces McNamara to win it. What are you, what's your thought? Yeah, I don't disagree at all. I mean, I think if you're Penn State at this point, we've seen incremental steps in them being able to run the ball. It's still not where anybody wants it to be, but it's been a little bit better the last two weeks. I still don't think, you know, as James Franklin always says, they want to get to a point where they can run the ball when the other team wants or knows they are running the ball and wants to stop it. And I don't know if this group is there yet. I'm not sure it's going to get there uh, before the end of the regular season. It's made some steps, but I don't know if it's made enough. But yeah, I think if you're Penn State, you want to put enough points up that that doesn't matter. That Michigan and Cade McNamara are forced to throw and really go to what I would say is not the strength of their offense, even though McNamara's been okay. I still don't think that in a perfect world they really want to throw more than they run, but if you have some injuries running back and you're trailing and you have to throw a bit, I think that's advantage Penn State. And for Penn State, you know, your defense has been asked to hold up a lot of this season, you know, some games closer than others, but you know, when you look at yep. this Penn State-Michigan game, uh, it's winnable for Penn State. I think the spread is really in a reasonable place. And I think if you're Penn State, you want to put your defense in a place to play from a point of strength. And they've done that at times this year. But I think that at home, in front of a, what should be a sold-out crowd at noon on national TV, you know, get a lead and then make Michigan throw and let things play out like they do from there. And I think Penn State fans would like the result.
That was actually my last question. I feel bad that you, you hung around for that. <laughs> hey, whatever you need, Steve, anytime, you know that. I know. You're the best, Greg. We appreciate you very much. And uh, I know we're getting to that time of the year in recruiting uh, because at some point between you and Ryan, we're going to kick it into another gear on that too. So appreciate it. We're at the crossover point, right, of recruiting, uh, basketball, wrestling, football, hockey. It all melts together at this time of year and keeps everyone busy. And, of course, gives the fans a lot to keep an eye on. So I look forward to chatting with you again, Steve, and uh, I'm sure I'll see you Saturday as well. Thank you, Greg. Appreciate it very much. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a great rest of the week.